Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're going to be talking Hawks and Bucks. Best case, worst case for the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Ohio State Buckeyes. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music. Make sure you leave a review. Share it with social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Send me an email at Talk at gmail.com. We're at part six of our best case, worst case series. We're going to do this one, and then we'll obviously do the last episode, which will be Michigan and Wisconsin. And then as we kind of wrap things up, we'll do our preseason Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten, my Big Ten expectations, my predictions and playoff predictions, um, which I'm still, if I'm being honest, I'm still very undecided on. So I've, I've got a lot to think about over the next week before the season actually starts. Um, and then I'll, I'll give you guys a sense of what, how often I'll post during the season. Uh, I, I haven't really decided what I'm going to do yet. But I, I, I have at least some, some leanings into to how often I'll post. That being said, let's just go right to Iowa. You know, Iowa had a little bit of a up and down season for them last year. You know, they were coming off a West Championship back in 2021. And I had said that I you know, I was a little skeptical of them last year and got some heat for it. You know, I I thought that when Iowa flies a bit under the radar, I think they do a little bit better. I think when people are starting to hype them up a little bit, they actually start to struggle a bit. And that's, I think, what happened. I think Spencer Petras really hit his ceiling. Um, and the ceiling wasn't great and really struggled. I think the offense struggled. The, the offensive line was young last year. And so that really played into it. They didn't have a lot of standouts at receiver. So uh, Regani, Nico Regani, who's who's coming back, was probably their best receiver uh, on the outside. Obviously, the tight end Sam Laporta, Luke Lachey, both dynamic playmakers at the tight end spot. But just you know, it was a lot of offensive meh. Right, everybody was calling for Brian Ferentz's head. The defense was. Spectacular last year, but it didn't matter because there were certain games where they just they couldn't score. And against not great defenses either, you know, South Dakota State comes to mind. So they went eight and five. So not a terrible season. Like it wasn't it wasn't awful. But I think I think a lot of fans, Hawkeye fans included, were like, this could have been better. Like we have one of the best defenses in the country year after year after year. If we could be more like Michigan, where we have a competent quarterback, have some offensive creativity, 
Like, we may not be an eight-win team. We might be a Big Ten contender. And that's interesting. Like, you know, I think Michigan is probably the best comparison to Iowa. I think Iowa is probably like a poor man's version of, of Michigan at this point. Strong running game, tough up front, great defense. And, of course, what do they do? They go out and get two guys from Michigan to come in and be next you know, next in line. So Cade McNamara comes in from Michigan, who obviously started a playoff game. And I thought did a good job. You know, he he wasn't – obviously wasn't good enough to beat out J.J. McCarthy. But, you know, he's a decent quarterback for Michigan. Cade McNamara is better than a lot of other quarterbacks that have been at Michigan over the past several years. And then they get Eric All, who's can really complete that tight end pairing in their 12 personnel that I think they really like to use. You've got Eric All, you've got Luke Lachey, obviously they lose Sam Laporta, but you have a nice uh, uh, some upgrades at quarterback, and it's you know not not a tight end, it's not an upgraded tight end, but you've got you've got some depth there. You get Caleb Brown who comes over from Ohio State who didn't play at all at Ohio State, but of course, but who is going to play over Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka and Julian Fleming and even some of the freshmen they brought in this year? But Caleb Brown, there, there's a lot, a lot of excitement around him, right? Like he was a highly recruited guy. I think he was the seventh receiver overall in the 2022 class. So they they're really high on him. He's a he's a redshirt freshman. Looks to be the second receiver. Uh, now who knows what happens in training camp? But the the big difference for me with this Iowa squad is the experience of the offensive line. Last year, Logan Jones, the center, you know he's a sophomore. He came in, you know, redshirt sophomore, but he had one game under his belt in 2021. 13 starts last year. Uh, Rusty Feth, who's a senior, he comes in from Miami of Ohio, but he has 34 starts. Granted, Miami of Ohio is not the same level as Big Ten, but 34 starts is a big deal, and he's a big dude. 6'5", 324 pounds. Nick DeJong, or DeJong, don't know how to pronounce it, but he's at left guard. Nine starts. Uh, he, he had nine starts uh, back in... 20, uh, 20 and 21, played in 12 games last year, uh, 11. Um, so he's got some experience now. Uh, Gennings Dunker, um, he played in 10 games last year, had one start at right guard. Mason Richmond had, was honorable mention Big Ten, 13 starts. Uh, you know, he was a returner from a couple, for a couple years, but he now has 25 starts under his belt, not just 12. So you have a much more experienced line. You, know, you have a returning kicker, a returning punter. And again, while I would love for them to have fired Brian Ferentz, because there's no offensive imagination, McNamara is mobile, and he can if if he doesn't revert to the 2022 version where he's thinking he's got a he's got a compete for the job if he plays like he did in 2021 that's an upgrade of that position you've got some 
some athleticism at the receiver spot. You've got really good tight ends. You've got experience on the offensive line. Again, Iowa doesn't need to score 40 points a game to win. They need 25 points a game, 28 points a game, you know, somewhere in that mid to high 20s. I think Phil Steele said 25 points a game. Um, but like that's – with their defense, they really don't need they, – they don't need a ton of points. They need to be able to sustain drives, keep other teams' offenses off the field. That's where they got really killed. You, know, you go back to the Ohio State-Iowa game last year. I think the final score was like 54 to 10. If Iowa can sustain drives and punch it in the end zone, that game is a lot closer than that score. But because Iowa couldn't do anything offensively, it was, I mean, it was just a complete bust. If Iowa can be, can churn out clock, they can play a little bully ball, I think they do really well. And they have a good running back in Caleb Johnson, right? Honorable mention Big Ten, really good running back. I think they really like their room. And then you look at the defense, the the linebacking core needs some work, right? They lost the the Buckus Award winner Jack Campbell. They you know they lost Jacob or they lost uh, Benson, who's second team All Big Ten. Jacobs, who they were really high on, they he's out for the year and he's gone as well. Um, so they have some experience at, at that linebacker position, but obviously you're losing. Your Buckus Award winner, and you're losing an all-conference guy. So they do bring in Nick Jackson from Virginia to anchor that that position group. So that's really good. You still have a lot of experience on the defensive line with a, you know a lot of productivity. Joe Evans, Logan Lee, Noah Shannon, all juniors and seniors, all really good. Uh, Deontay Craig. Hasn't started, but he's played a lot of games. He's had eight sacks the past couple years. So that's a really good front four for them. And then the back, the the secondary is, I think, going to be really, really good again. They do lose Riley Moss, but they, they have Cooper DeGene, who was excellent last year, first team All-Big Ten. Xavier Nwampa is, I, I think he might be one of the top, end up being one of the top safeties in the Big Ten. He's very good, very dynamic, playing that strong safety spot. So you've got a lot of good players in that defense. You just got to get the linebackers up to speed. So there's a lot of, I think, a lot of reason for those in in Iowa City to think that this could be a, a year where they at least compete for the West. And if you if you play your cards right, Maybe they could pull off the ups, uh, an upset where they could win the Big Ten. I Again, I wouldn't say that that's definitely going to happen. But let's just look at, at best case, worst case here. So let's let's just talk worst case for a minute. So they, they start with Utah State at home. And it looks a little like it did with Southern Illinois last year where they can't really move the ball well. You know, Cade McNamara, he's come in, but he's he's got a bit of the yips still from the year before where he's just really struggling. And, you know, he throws a couple picks. He's not very confident. The wide receivers never really get on track. And they squeak by. They win by a touchdown at home against Utah State. They travel to Iowa State. And while Iowa State is coming off 
a losing season, I believe, they still have they have a returning quarterback. They feel very optimistic about their future. And Iowa State playing at home gets them. Uh, they get Iowa on the road, and it's a it's a close game. But Iowa State gets the Cyhawk Trophy. Then they get Western Michigan again, closer than it should be. They go to Penn State and just get drilled. You know, thirty-eight to ten. 38 to 6, something like that. They get Michigan State, and they are they're a bit tougher against Michigan State. I don't think Michigan State has the firepower to really exploit uh, exploit the Hawkeyes. So they're three and two. Homecoming, Purdue. It looks really good, but Hudson Card gets hot and is able to upset the Hawkeyes on homecoming which leaves a very bad taste in in their mouths. They go to Wisconsin. It's a loss. They battle Minnesota. They're able to get the win there. Four and four. There's a bye week. Northwestern, Rutgers, uh, Illinois. You know, I think out of those, they get Northwestern, they get Rutgers. They lose to Illinois. They go to Nebraska, and Nebraska has a little juice. And even though I think Iowa is a much better team than Iowa than Nebraska, I think Nebraska can get them just like they did last year, and they finish six and six, go to a bowl game, uh, and regardless of win or loss, the the worst thing about this is that Kirk Ferentz announces that Brian Ferentz has been uh, signed to a five year extension as offensive coordinator, and also he's mentioned as the head coach in waiting. That might be the worst part of this entire scenario. So that's the worst case. That's the worst case. What's the best case scenario? Best case, they beat they beat Utah State. Cade McNamara looks like the real deal. Caleb Brown is uh, much better than people expect. Regani, it, it has more explosiveness, and they have a really a full complement of offensive weapons at that point with the tight ends, the receivers, the running backs. They go to Iowa State. They don't just win. They they actually blow them out. Like They beat them by three scores. And you're like, oh, wow, this team is – they can actually they, – they have some offensive production. But the reason why there's a blowout, and this is, I think, how Iowa is going to win most of their games, they, they are able to control the ball – and because their defense is so good, they can get on people because the the defense is holding them down and the offense is playing complimentary football. So they beat Iowa State badly. They beat up on, on Western Michigan. They get to Penn State. It's a tough game, a hard-fought game. Ultimately, I, I don't think they have enough firepower to keep up with Penn State, particularly with Penn State's back seven. I think it's... They don't have the horses to to win one-on-one matchups on the outside, I don't think. And while the tight ends are really, really good, I, I think if they just try to run the ball at will on Penn State, I think Penn State ultimately gets them. So three and one, but they get Michigan State, Purdue, five and one, big money game at Wisconsin. And they win the game. On the back of their defense, Cade McNamara makes the plays he needs to make. They beat Wisconsin 
on the road in Camp Rand- Randall. They get Minnesota, win that game, 7-1. and one. And then their last four games, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, at Nebraska. All wins. 11-1, ranked maybe 8th in the country, ninth in the country, somewhere around there. They won't be ranked super high because if you look at their games, the only major win that's probably going to be the top 25 would be Wisconsin, most likely. Maybe Illinois. Um, But they'll get a little bit of credit for losing close to Penn State. They go to the Big Ten Championship game, and they face a... I'm trying to think who would be the best matchup for for Iowa. I I would actually probably say Ohio State. They get Ohio State, and Ohio State's coming off a couple injuries on the offensive line after playing a hard-fought game against Michigan, where they have no depth at the offensive tackle. This is foreshadowing a little bit. The offensive line's a mess. Iowa takes advantage, and even though Ohio State has much better talent on the outside, Iowa is able to exploit the weakness on the offensive line, and because I don't think Ohio State's defense is nearly the same caliber as as Penn State or Michigan, Iowa's able to move the ball a little bit, play some keep away, and they upset Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. Again, this is not what I'm projecting, but they upset Ohio State, who was 12-0, and they get to the playoff where they get steamrolled by Georgia. <laughs> that's, that's I think, the best-case scenario for Iowa. But I do think – I wouldn't pick Iowa to win the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is, is on lockdown on the East. But there are very real possibilities for them to somehow finagle their way in to win the Big Ten if – Certain things happen. So totally, totally for I think that that could happen. Ultimately, I think Iowa is probably somewhere in the nine and three, ten and two range. But I think that's I think they have a really good year and I, I think they get a good bowl game. So let me let me take a break and then we'll come back with Ohio State. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Ohio State Buckeyes. This is. This is a very hard eval. And, and part of it is because I think the best case is obvious. I think what people don't realize, though, about Ohio State is a lot of the hype is hype. It's not, there's not a lot of proven things on this team. And so, we're giving Ryan Day the benefit of the doubt. A lot of people are giving him the benefit of the doubt that the quarterback's going to be good, that Kyle McCord's going to be really good, that or Devin Brown, whoever's the quarterback, I think it's going to be Kyle McCord. I think it's, I think if it's not Kyle McCord, it means that either Devin Brown is much better than we expected, or it means that Kyle McCord isn't nearly as good as we thought. And yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be McCord. He's been there longer. I think he's probably the better prospect. So the the only reason why I might say Devin Brown is supposedly he has a bit more mobility to him, but it's not it's not much. So Kamakord is there, you know, 
there's a question mark at quarterback. The real question mark to me is, is the tackles. And I've said this in a couple other previews. We just don't know anything about the tackles. Like Josh Fryer, he's, you know, he played one game at right tackle last year, or one start. He's played in, in 12 games last year, but one start at right uh, at right tackle last year. Josh Simmons transfers in from San Diego State, had 13, st- 13 starts for San Diego State, but again, that's San Diego State. San Diego State is not the Big Ten, and they're not facing defensive ends like they would at Penn State and Michigan. So I just think it's a little tenuous, especially when you had Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson there last year. And Paris, you know, Dewan Jones, he was a fourth round pick. He probably screwed up his draft process, where if he actually works harder during the pre draft process, he's probably a first or second rounder. Paris Johnson was the first first tackle off the board. I'm second guessing myself here. He was he was one of the first tackles off the board, if not the first. So he's went six overall. And there's a reason for that. They were really good. They were really good at tackle last year. And now they have to replace them. They have to replace the center. So the the leader in the clubhouse right now is Carson Hinsman, who's a redshirt freshman. They they're high on him. Not, I think they're higher on him than they are on the tackles. But again, it's question marks. You know, is Travion Henderson, you know, as good as he was his freshman year, he comes back from injury. Is he going to be able to go as well as he did his freshman year? Uh, now, I think, I think that one's more, more clear. When we saw him healthy, he was dynamic. Um, the, def- the defense, everybody's talking about the improvement the defense is going to make. Well, we, we all thought the defense was going to be better last year, too. And they fell flat in the biggest games. Now, do I think that the defense can be really, really good? I, I do. But it's all conjecture at this point. Right? Like JT Tuimoloal, uh, you know, he's first team all all Big Ten last year, but he he had one game where he really took over a game, and that was Penn State. Every other game, he he played well, but he didn't necessarily play like the number three or four player in the nation coming out of high school, right? Jack Sawyer, you know, he's number three or number four player, you know, in that same class, Really, really good player, right? He's he's played very well. He had four and a half sacks last year. That's not what you expect out of a five-star defensive lineman at Ohio State, right? You're expecting Bosa-like numbers or Chase Young-like numbers. He had four and a half sacks. That's not good enough, right? Mike Hall really played well when he was healthy, but he wasn't healthy most of the season. Um, so there's just there's a lot of question marks. The linebackers are are good. I don't think they're great. I think Tommy Eichenberg is a is a solid player. I think there's a reason why he came back and he didn't go to the NFL draft. I think Steel Chambers is is a good player. I don't I don't think he's great. I think he's good. Um. So the front seven, there are guys on this front seven that could be really great 
like first round potential great. There's there's three on the defensive line: Tui Maloa, Hall, Sawyer. All could be potential first rounders, maybe, or they could have nice, good, productive careers. Maybe get drafted in the middle rounds of the draft, and it's you know it's good, it's fine, and that's that's my problem is that. A lot of the hype of what Ohio is is really about what Ohio State could be, not what it is. And it's the same thing with the back seven. Sonny Styles uh, is an Uber recruit. People are saying that he's different. I I think he will be different. I think that as much of a question mark he is because we haven't seen him. I think he's maybe the one most consistent thing is I think if he plays, I think he's he's going to shock some people with how good he is. Sonny Styles is a six foot four, two hundred fifteen pound safety who apparently can play nickel, nickel safety, deep safety, every safety. Like he's he's Superman. So that's the one. Maybe the one difference. Maybe Ohio State's version of Isaiah Simmons back over at Clemson. So that that is, I think, a consist. That is something that I think we can count on. That Sonny Styles is going to be really, really good. Maybe great. Lathan Ransom, solid. Denzel Burke took a step back last year. Jordan Hancock, you know, he's never really healthy. Jihad Carter comes in from Syracuse, who's, you know, he's good. He was, you know, had a solid career at Syracuse before he came in. Um, and then there's another corner who who transferred in from Ole Miss, Davison Igbenosin, who they're really high on as well. So they think they have three to four really good corners they think they have three really three really good safeties. Great. Like, good. There's still a lot of just I don't knows. Which is where I'm like, I, I just don't... They have all the questions in all the wrong places for me. Because you have, I think, the best skill position set in America... Right, if Travion Henderson's healthy, he's a top three running back in the country. Marvin Harrison and Emeka Ibuka might be the two best receivers in college football this year. Julian Fleming is your number three receiver, and he's getting pushed for time by Carnell Tate and Noah Rogers and maybe even uh, Brandon Innes. Although Brandon Innes will probably play more in the slot, but you've got a lot of guys here at wide receiver that you, they probably could rotate. Eight guys, you know, Xavier Johnson, Jaden Ballard. A lot of these guys would be number one or number two receivers at other programs. Go see Caleb Brown at Iowa, right? Cade Stover is a good tight end. He's not a great tight end. He's a good tight end. You know, they they have a freshman who came in, Jelani Thurman, who they're very high on. Joe Royer, G, uh, G. Scott. They are deep at the position, uh, skill position, and and probably the best skill positions in the country. Like, as a collection of talent, nobody's better. And so, if Kyle McCord ends up being 75% of C.J. Stroud, and if the tackles can block well enough, like, this is this could be the best team in the country. It, that is, if they hit on those and the defense lives up to their potential. And I would say that, like, 
the the and I, we'll talk about best case in a minute. But the the issue is that it's a lot of if ands and buts. And I think with Ohio State, that's all we've been living on the past couple of years. It's like if they do this, if they do this, if only they did this. And I'm just and part of this is I'm a jaded Ohio State fan at this point. I'm tired of the ifs, ands, and buts. Like you either you got to prove it to me. And so Ohio State, to me, they have a tough schedule. There's a lot of question marks. I honestly don't know what to make of this season. This is the most unsettled I've been with Ohio State since 2019, which maybe gives some Ohio State fans hope because... I thought Ohio State was going to go 10 and 2 or 9 and 3 in 2019 and that ended up being I think the best Ohio State team I've ever seen. Um, just in terms of overall capability, talent. I mean they were just absurd. So maybe I'm going to tell you my worst case best case. Maybe they maybe they have an all-time team. I don't know. Let's go worst case first with this team. Uh, at Indiana Let's just say Indiana gives them a little bit of a game. Give them a little bit of a game. It's similar to the game in 2017 where the offense is clunky. The defense is getting beat more than you'd hope against an Indiana team. They they pull away and they win and they, they even cover. But you're just kind of left thinking, hmm, that wasn't what I expected. And then they come out a little sleepy against Youngstown State. But, you know, obviously they win. And then they play Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is not a bad group of five team. They're actually really good for a group of five team. And Western Kentucky stays with them for three quarters. And the alarm bells start to roll. Because you realize Western Kentucky can throw the ball a little bit on this Ohio State team. And the back seven, who we thought maybe was better than we had improved, actually isn't. They beat Western Kentucky off the backs of a strong running game that can overpower a group of five defensive line. But then they get to Notre Dame, at Notre Dame, and Marcus Freeman pulls the upset and wins that game on on the arm of Sam Hartman. And they go into the bye week 3-1. and one. They get Maryland, and Ohio State has a bit of a hangover, and they lose to Maryland at home. 3-2. and two. And before Buckeye fans are like, they're not going to lose to Maryland. Did you see what Maryland did to them last year? They almost won. And that was with a better quarterback and a better offensive line. So 3-2, and two, go to Purdue. They beat Purdue, but it's a little tougher. They play Penn State at home. Penn State wins. They can't control the running game. They can't control anything. They go to Wisconsin. Um, I, I, think, I think between Penn State and that Wisconsin – I, I think they get one of those games, and I, I'd actually – I think Wisconsin is probably – I think I said – or no, I haven't done my Wisconsin pick yet. I think they'll beat Wisconsin. I think it's more likely they beat Wisconsin than they do Penn State in this scenario. 
at Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota, they win those games, but then they go to Michigan and they lose and they lose bad. And there's chaos in the program. Um, go to a podunk bowl game, a bunch of bunch of guys sit out, transfers start to, start to hit, and Ryan Day is firmly, firmly on the hot seat at the end of the season. That's the worst case. I, I think that actually could really happen. Like, I, I would put it at like a 15 to 20% chance. Because I, I'm just not sold on the development of the defense. And I think that if the tackles don't rise up, you've got a lot of teams on here that have guys that can pass rush and get to a new quarterback and bother them. And at that point, it doesn't really matter if you've got Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka, because you can't get in the ball. It doesn't really matter if you have Travion Henderson in the backfield because you're getting blown up on every play. So that's that's the worst case. Just for reference, back in 2019, I thought Ohio State was going to go either 10 and two or nine and three. So maybe that should encourage you that I'm a little pessimistic about Ohio State because maybe that means they're going to go to the playoff and win the Big Ten. Best case scenario, the tackles proved to be better than expected. Sonny Styles lives up to what people are calling him as the unicorn, and he is he becomes maybe the best defender in the country. C.J. Hicks helps rejuvenate that linebacking core. He's a five-star uh, recruit from last year, and he comes in and really supercharges that linebacker unit. And the defensive line dominates like we thought they would a year ago. And so the, all levels of the defense are good. The corners make huge leap. Denzel Burke gets over his sophomore slump. And Kyle McCord is firmly entrenched as the starter. And because the offensive line is solidified, they are able to take advantage of all the talent at their disposal. And they're beating everybody like a drum. And, like, they beat every team on their schedule. They beat Notre Dame by, by 17. Obviously beat Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky. Beat Maryland at Purdue. Close for a half at Penn, against Penn State. But then r- run away with it. And they're just very much on a mission after the Penn State game. We are getting to Michigan and we're going to beat them. It's not we want to beat them. It's we are going to beat them. Beat Wisconsin on the road, and it's not particularly close. They beat Rutgers, obviously. Michigan State, obviously. Minnesota, obviously. They go to Michigan. They're healthy. They're hungry. And they beat them by three touchdowns. And it's never in doubt. They get to the Big Ten Championship game. It's a rematch with Wisconsin. And they smoke them worse than the first time. Which leads to the playoff. They're the number one seed because they beat Penn State. They beat Michigan. They beat Wisconsin twice. They beat Notre Dame. They'd have the best resume easily out of any of the playoff caliber teams. Unless if LSU went undefeated, which I don't think is going to happen. Ohio State's the one seed. The four seed is... Some some combination of USC or 
Florida State, Texas, one of those, you know, pick your poison. Beat up on them. And in the national championship game, they get Georgia. And they avenge the loss last year to Georgia with a game-winning field goal. Although I think Ohio State could win by a couple scores if, if, if things gel. And that's the thing that's maddening about this team is I think the potential is they don't need caveats to win the national championship. They're one of a couple teams that can beat anybody else in the country. And I've been saying that for years. They recruit like it, but are they going to develop the, the players to be at that point? So that's that's it. That's that's what I got for Ohio State. National championship, eight and four, somewhere in the middle. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks for listening. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. We'll be back on Friday with Michigan and Wisconsin as we wrap up the series. Again, this is Zach Guggenheim for the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Take care. God bless.